groups are a structure to help us to connect because the only way our love is going to mature is by being with each other, not being in isolation, but being connected one to another, that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another, and that through our relational Christianity, through us being together, my love actually begins to mature. When all of a sudden I start to see your weaknesses and I find out that, wow, you don't just live holy and you don't live perfectly. And I have to make a choice at that point to say, I'm not going to look at the flesh. But I'm going to look at this person after the spirit and they're cherished and they're loved by God. And I'm going to choose to love even when it hurts. See, sacrificial love is not sacrificial if it doesn't hurt. See, loving sacrificially is not loving sacrificially unless it hurts. <laughs> That's why it's called a sacrifice. <laughs> there is blood required. <laughs> and so we talked about how we're raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. And, and God's command, we talked about last week how God's command is to love one another. And we all said, yeah, we need to love one another. I hope to take that a little further. I really had thought that I was going to start on we <laughs> of the mission statement and go from there, but the Lord just kept doing a work in my heart this week, and uh, I believe last week he started something, and we started talking about connect groups, and yes, they're starting this week, but we must pursue connecting with each other and with other people and not be people who are isolationists. Can I have an amen on that? Here's what I want to say, and I, I, want to, I even want to go back a little bit last week, because last week one of the things, and I, I really appreciated Tom sharing in our staff meeting this week, he said there was just one thing, he said there was one thing about your message, powerful message, he said, but I think there was one area that I think if we stay there as a church, we're not going to go where God wants us to go, and I said, what is that? He said, well, remember when you were talking about Susan Jones? Remember last week, is everybody here? And I said, who knows Susan Jones? Huh? Or Susan Todd. <laughs> there is another Susan Jones that I know. There goes those words. <laughs> Leviathan, get off in Jesus' name. <laughs> I said, who knows Susan Todd? And there was two or three people raised their hands. Right. And in some ways that was not a representation of where we're trying to go. See, it's impossible for all of you to know, Susan. It's impossible. It's impossible for all of you to love her. It's impossible. So I can't guilt you because you don't know her. See, connect groups are the very structure by which she should be known. And if we're going to move this church to have a bigger footprint in the region, we really realize we've got we to grow smaller to grow larger. And so what it boils down to is connect groups, pastors and connect groups, have to begin to pastor people. And she would be pastored in a small connect group. And not everybody would know her. And that's okay. Can I have an amen on that? But because of my value as a shepherd, I want everyone to be known. I want you to know everyone here. 
and you want to be known by me. How possible is that for all of you to be known by me? I mean known. I know your faces, I know your names. But what if this church was 500 people? Could everybody have their hand on Pastor Eric? But they could have their hands in a loving, connecting, relational Christian community if they're connected in micro churches throughout the city and the region. That they're being loved and cared for. That they're known and being made known by small groups within the church. That's how relational community, that's how authentic Christian community can grow and flourish in this season. Otherwise, if we don't get connected in small areas, we will continue to stay a small church. But I think God has more than that. And so if you're and me, you and me, if we're going to go someplace, we have to enlarge our capacity. We have to change. Eric has to change, and I'm trying. It's like teaching an old dog new tricks. <laughs> Tom's going, amen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stretching the cord. And so it's not that when we come to New Covenant that two or three people It's that we have to begin to connect relationally. And if you're here as a guest today, I pray to God that you will get connected. If it's not this church, you'll get connected to a a church where you can become a part and you can be what that vision that Chad just had, where there's a piece of you that's needed in the church to where you can become a part of that body. And we have to discover who we are and who we're created to be and how we fit in the body of Christ. Because not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a teacher. Some of you are kidneys. Some of you are arms and legs. And some of you are pieces that no one will see. But without you, this place doesn't happen. It's amazing on a Sunday morning. If you were just to sit back and watch as the people of God begin to come into this house and people begin to work. And they begin to do their part. And, and, and the service begins to happen. And it's a multitude of people who are involved. From video team to sound team to children's ministry to greeters. To, you, to, the, to the altar team to prayers. To people praying in the sanctuary. All the pieces start coming to happen just to make this service take place. But the highlight of our week should not just be Sunday morning. If the body of Christ is going to be who we are called to be. It's more than Sunday morning. And we have to become radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Now, that was not in my notes. That was free, okay? But the point that I was trying to make in this whole journey is you have got to get connected. It is not my responsibility to connect you. It's your responsibility to get connected and to find out what God has called you to be. Can I have an amen on that? So where are we going to go today? We've talked about how we have a structure here at New Covenant called Connect Groups. We talked about that last week, how relationships, how we want to get people plugged in. 
But today, where I felt like the Lord really wanted me to go with is as we were talking about loving deeply. I want to start talking about what does it look like as, as, we, as we talked about in the scripture, God commands us to love one another. What does loving each other look like? What is our goal? When we're talking about we're raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God, I'm kind of on the lovers of people from the next generation right now. What does it look like if you were to become a radical, passionate, aggressive lover of people? What do you think that looks like? Can I paint a picture for us today through scriptures? We're going to read a lot of scriptures today. Anybody love the word of God? Yeah. We're going to paint a picture through the scripture today. And uh, I believe God wants to turn you upside down. I think he wants to do something in your heart. And he's doing it in mine. And uh, let's uh, see where he takes us. Are you guys willing to go there? So let's start with the first scripture today. This is the command that Jesus gives us. Paul wrote this from other scriptures that, that Jesus had put in them. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I'm building a foundation. Again, God is trying to do something, and he's trying to speak, that we have a debt to one another. My debt to Alger, my debt to you is to love you. To put you before myself, right? To think of your needs before I think of my own. Now, let's go to the next scripture. <clears throat> now, Jesus here is talking to, to Peter now. And Jesus comes to Peter. And Jesus, just to set the context a little bit, um, he's, well, let's just read it. I won't even set the context. John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this love, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now what I'm going to do here is I am going to set the context. Now what happened in this scripture, if you would go there in your Bible, Jesus is getting ready to uh, be taken away. And he says, I'm getting ready to leave. And he says, but a new command I give you. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this love, all men will know that you're my disciples. And Peter didn't get it. Guess where Peter was at? Peter was hung up on the first words that Jesus had said. The first words that Jesus said were this. Hey, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to leave, but as I'm getting ready to leave, he said, I want to give you a command. As I'm getting ready to take off, 
I want to give you a command. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this love, all men will know that you're my disciples. Peter goes, whoa, 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 big guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? See, Peter was more concerned about his own skin. Peter was more concerned, whoa, 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 where are you going, master? That he didn't even hear the command that Jesus was giving him. And Jesus was trying to do something. He was trying to speak a truth to them that, guys, I'm getting ready to take off, but what I have just done for you, now I'm wanting you to do for everybody else. As I have loved you, I want you to now, I, I, I'm giving you a commission. I'm getting ready to hand something off to you that I want you to now do that I have been doing for you. As I have loved you. Now you go and love. See, the problem with our Christianity in America is this. Everything revolves around me getting loved. Peter's world was, whoa, 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 Jesus, where you going? I don't really care about loving these disciples. Hey, dude, where are you going? Be like me coming here today to the church and saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be gone for a while. I'm, uh, I'm taking off, and I'm heading somewhere. And, but man, guys, love one another while I'm gone. And I take off the door. Whoa, where's Eric going? How long is he going to be gone? Well, who, who's going to do this? And who's going to do, who's going to help me when, who's, where, where's he going? Put it in context. Peter, what, 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 where are you going, dude? So in verse 14, just to down a few passages, after Peter goes through this thing of, whoa, 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 where are you going? Jesus re-says re it again in the, same, in the same chapter. Again, Peter, I'm going away, but... My command is this, Peter, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. No greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. We're building a case here, guys. We're going to talk about today, what does it mean to lay our life down? What does it mean to serve sacrificially? What does it mean to love deeply? What does it mean to love without you getting anything in return? See, it's easy for me to love Alger, or somebody else when I get something back. See, most of us love when we're going to get something in return. We're going to get somewhere today, and it's going to be good. So P Peter still isn't getting it in verse 14. And then we drop down into verse, uh, oops, maybe I went too fast. Yeah, 13, then 14. Oh, yeah, in verse 14, wait, where am I at? Is that right? 14, 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
That's not 1412. 1 John? No, no, no. Wow, did I mess something up? John 14? How about John 14, 17? And yet again, Jesus emphasizes something. This is my command, love each other. Am I not in the right spot? Nope. <laughs> oh boy, I really messed up. Huh? Oh boy, guys. Oh yeah, John 13. And then it goes into John 14 all the way through, doesn't it? This whole passage where he's talking to Peter, John 13, all the way through 14, 17. Oh, well. I may have the, the location, John 14, wrong. Huh? It is right, isn't it? Oh, it's not right? Okay, here's what I'm going to say. I'm not lying about the scriptures. I may have the, the location wrong. I had a, wrong, a rough week, so give me a little grace here. But in this passage in, in, where he's talking with Peter... He keeps emphasizing back to Peter. Peter, love one another. Peter, love one another. Peter, love one another. Do you remember when P Peter denied Christ? What did he say after he denied him? Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then he, what did he say? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Then do this. Now, that's not in that scripture there. But again, Peter's going through this thing where God's trying to get something into Peter's heart about his love. And Peter's not getting it. And he keeps emphasizing, Peter, Peter, love. Peter, Peter, love. And yet again, he emphasizes it three times in that passage, even though I have John 14 wrong. John 15, thank you. Wow. I'm going to have to check that stuff out a little better. Now let's go to another passage. I hope this is right. If you got your Bibles with you, John 3, 10. I know this is right because it goes to, the way I remember these scriptures is this goes all the way to John 3, 1 John 3, 16. And I remember that because John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, but this is 1 John. So that's how I memorize scripture. So this passage that we're getting ready to go to, I know is right. Praise God. So we're going to look a little further here, guys. We are going to make sense here as I get there. So 1 John 3, verses 10 through 11 and verse 14. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. That's pretty black and white, isn't it? So if you want to know if you're born again, if you want to know if you're a children of the light, he spells it out pretty good here. He says, this is how we know. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And in verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in what? Wow, that's pretty painful, isn't it? Is that painful? That actually my love for God is actually shown and proved by my love for people. You can say you love God, but if you don't love your brothers. But again, Eric, what does love look like? Eric, what does love look like? What, what, what picture are you trying to paint? So then we drop down a little further to 1 John 3, 16. 
This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Church, what can I ask you? How did Jesus Christ lay down his life for you? He died? What benefit did he receive from dying? What did he gain for laying his life down? What he gained is he gained something for you. See, you are the recipient of his sacrifice. You, it benefited you. Now, it benefited him that he went to be with his father. But it says, for the glory set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. What was the joy set before him? You. He wasn't loving to get something. He was loving to give something. Now that's what's been jacking with me all week. Because friends, my love's immature. And many times I love to get. I love because there's a benefit to me. How many wives in here would say, oh yeah, he's real sweet when he wants something? Won't go there. Oh, she's precious. She, 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 she treats me like gold when she wants something. Any lovers like that out there? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So what does it actually mean to lay down your life for your brother? What does that kind of love mean? I don't think we have a clue. Oh boy, there's more guys. You ready to get slapped in the face? If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how? Can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. 
and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Now, I do want to put a disclaimer in here. We have no clue what need is in America. I need an iPhone. I need potato chips. Now, the problem in America, and to be honest with you, probably everyone in this room, the need that he's talking about here, you don't have. And so we have a hard time going here because we think in America... I'm struggling because I can't pay my mortgage payment because I don't know how to budget my money that you should help me pay my mortgage payment because I can't budget money well. That's not the need we're talking about here. Just so you know. So I want to put a disclaimer in here because I, I can get 30 calls after today and say, will you help me with my rent? Because I get about 15 of those a week anyway. Well, that's a little exaggeration. And so I do want us to love well, and I do want us to meet needs. But the word need here means this. Distresses. Food. Clothing. Shelter. Sickness. And here it is, the big disclaimer. Unable to provide for his own needs or necessities of life. unable to provide for myself. When there was the daily distribution of the food to the widows in Israel, it was because the widows could not provide for themselves. And so the reason we struggle with loving well in America, see, loving well in America is also actions and in truth where I may need to bring truth and say, dude, it's time to work up a budget. It's time to help you here and help looks a little differently. Can I have an amen on that? So, love in the church in America that is so fat and well-fed looks a little different than what they were talking about at this point. Can I have an amen on that? And that's part of where we've got to get really good about going globally and loving outside of the four walls of this church. Because the loving that we have to start getting good about here at New Covenant Worship Center is loving people through actions in how we relate to one another, how we do life together with one another, how we're patient with one another, how we're kind to one another, how we don't gossip about one another, how we don't speak ill about one another, how we don't do those kinds of things at New Covenant has got to love, that kind of love has to mature. Because that kind of love comes out of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, love keeps no record of wrong. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's, it's not self-seeking. 
that kind of love has got to mature at New Covenant as well. Can I have an amen on that? But this kind of love where when people's needs are being met, because I can show you this other scripture, and I almost didn't go here today because I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to conflict with what I was trying to say because I don't want to talk about laying our life down and then, saying, then putting conditions on our love and saying, but we don't. You know what I'm saying? But I, I felt like the Lord said, no, you need to, because love, there is a soft side of love, and there is also a tough side of love. Look at this scripture. This is painful. I know it's small print, sorry, but I wanted it all on. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle or disorderly and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring hard and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, no, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people, are com such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him. What are you talking about? In order that he may feel ashamed, <laughs> yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now back up to the other scripture. We have to love in action and in truth. That's truth. So love is not just this, I meet all your needs. No, you're responsible if you're able to meet your own needs. If you're not able, I mean, it was amazing a year, couple, a year and a half ago when Gary Tower was in the hospital and Deb could not work. She could not provide the needs of her family because she needed to take care of Gary. This church jumped in there and mowed the yard, and they, well, there were some mortgage payments made, and there was all kinds of stuff that people began to love because they had no ability because of what was going on, the distress of their situation. The church came in like a flood. Can I have an amen on that? And that's what the body of Christ, in, and even in Acts 2.42, as people had need, they sold property to give to those who had need, the necessity they could not provide for themselves. So I know I'm talking two sides here. I'm talking about we have to surrender our life. Jesus laid down his life, and he loved in a way that he got nothing in return. And we have to love each other. But I'm telling you guys, there are needs in this church, and there are desperate needs, and we want to help those who are in need. And if you have a need, I want you to come to me. I want you to come to me. I want to be able to make the body of Christ aware. But I'm telling you, the needs that we have are probably different than what we think. See, I'm indebted to love you and to tell you truth.
And Jesus, when he laid his life down, he told hard truth. And he laid his life down. And he had no benefit from it. So I'm not saying that loving your, loving your brother is that you bail everybody out. That's not the love we're talking about. We're talking about when Gary Towers in the hospital, yes. Or Ernie, when he went through what he went through and couldn't provide for himself because his hand was so banged up. And his still is. I know several meals were taken to him this week, last week. Praise God. That's loving well sacrificing but loving is doing children's ministry when you don't feel like it that's sacrificial love pouring into children that's sacrificial love giving of your time when you don't want to instead of sitting at home and watching the tv and loving sacrificially because someone needs relationship that's sacrificing in our culture And it may be selling your possessions and giving to the poor. I was reminded this yesterday, in 1952, when those five missionary brothers went to Ecuador. They laid down their life to go to the Ugandis, or what, no, no, the, oh, how's that pronounced? It's a weird name. This tribe that had never been reached for the gospel. And all five of them go down there. They're murdered by the tribe. That's sacrificial love. But it gets better because then the son, one of the sons of the missionaries, decides, my dad was killed, but I'm going back. I'm going to reach that people group for Christ. And he went back. And that kind of love, that sacrificial love, he won the whole tribe to Jesus Christ. See, what I think God's trying to do is he's trying to change the way we love to where, you know what, there was no benefit to the missionaries. Matter of fact, they lost their lives. Their wives lost their husbands. Laying down your life in America is a joke. A media fast we did. We, we struggled years ago doing a media fast. <laughs> Sacrifice. <laughs> Loving sacrificially. I'm getting ready to show you a video, and it's going to end my message. I didn't go through all the scriptures. I think this video actually teaches us what love is better than what I could even do. And this young lady loved the way we're supposed to love. And it's about a nine-minute video, so guys, it's five after 12. That's why I'm doing it now and cutting short my message. Because I'm, I'm asking the Spirit of God to convict us on how we love because we love so immaturely. Eric Haler loves so immaturely. And may God release right now as this video plays a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might grab this kind of love. If you guys would, dim the lights and enjoy the video.
it's been three years since the video came out that you're about to see and over those three years God has done a lot in our marriage and we get to keep seeing him at work in our lives. Ian and Larissa asked me to read a couple of quotes from a man named John Piper, who's a, a well-known Bible teacher, and he talks about marriage and how it, this mystery refers to Christ in the church. And he says this, marriage is not mainly about prospering economically. It is mainly about displaying the covenant-keeping love between Christ and his church. He says, knowing Christ is more important than making a living. Treasuring Christ is more important than bearing children. Either way, it is short. It may have many bright days, or it may be covered with clouds. But if we set our face to make of marriage mainly what God designed it to be, no sorrows and no calamities can stand in our way. Every one of them will be not an obstacle to success, but a way to succeed. The beauty of the covenant-keeping love between Christ and His church shines brightest when nothing but Christ can sustain it. Ian and I first met in 2005 at college and had a blast for 10 months getting to know each other and I was looking through and I found one of my favorite pictures which I think was actually taken right before his accident. He set up a camera on his, his tripod. And it's just a classic Ian face that to me sums up who he is. We'd been dating for 10 months and he was working an extra job for his dad and he was on his way to work near Pittsburgh. And we got a phone call that he had been in an accident and we didn't know if it was when he got to work or on his way. And so we got down to Pittsburgh and I was just praying the whole time in the car that it wouldn't be his brain. After being at the hospital for a few hours, we found out that it was, and he had been in brain surgery for a few hours and had suffered a traumatic brain injury. God totally spared his life. Uh. One night, he was failing four out of five brain activity tests, and the next morning, he was doing well, and his brain was starting to respond again. I moved in with his family after the accident, so I was really involved in his therapy and just did whatever I could to make his life fun. We'd go out on dates, and looking back, it's weird because he couldn't talk and he couldn't eat. So 
We probably looked like complete weirdos being on dates, but we had a blast and I just talked to him all the time. I knew that before Ian's accident, he was very serious about marriage and was ring shopping. So I knew where he was and that helped me so much. After he couldn't talk, I knew that he loved me and I knew where he wanted the relationship to go because we were dating very intentionally. We just prayed that marriage would someday happen and watched all of our friends get married and start having families. That was challenging, but we just tried to hold out hope that that would be us someday. This is our board of gratefulness, and we encourage anybody who comes in to write a note of something they're thankful for. It could be really small. Mine is just Saturday mornings, and it's just a good way that we found to be just practicing gratefulness. And Ian, I think half of yours say uh -huh. my wifey, uh -huh. which is pretty cool. We decided that we couldn't really consider marriage as an option until Ian was able to communicate, but if he could communicate with me, then we could have a marriage, knowing it would be really different, but as long as Ian could talk to me, then we could make it work. So once Ian began communicating, it became a little bit more of an option, and then we just kind of watched Ian progress. Uh. Hi, husband. Hi, uh, wife. How are you? Uh, yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, How was your day? Uh, a conversation I had with his dad, it was one of those conversations where I realized this could happen. Then that August, his dad was diagnosed with brain cancer. And at that point, his dad's biggest concern was Ian and I, and whether or not we we're gonna get married or step away from our relationship. He wanted us to make a decision to move our lives in some direction. He passed away before he was able to see us get engaged, but that was a huge impetus in why we started to pursue engagement. I think what helped us in deciding to make this commitment to each other, at least for me, is knowing that Ian wouldn't have left me if the roles were reversed and that we love each other and we know that God's gonna be faithful to our marriage. We're able to love each other with, I think, a more Christ-like love because of Ian's disability and just understand that picture a little bit better than if you were healthy. Yeah. Agree? Yes. What about God enables you to have, have a happy marriage? You know. What? He's awesome. He's awesome? Yeah. It's been three years since the video came out, and over those three years, God has done a lot in our marriage and continues to heal Ian, and we just get to keep seeing him at work in our lives.
He's gone from using a walker and two people helping him to now being able to just hold on to the parallel bars by himself at therapy. It's really amazing and God has brought him so far. It means the world to me. What's, what's a way you've seen God help us in our marriage? I'm trying to do <laughs> And you really thought you'd need help with that? <laughs> no. given the opportunity to write a book, which has been a very interesting adventure for us, sharing our story from meeting to getting engaged to getting married. And we're really excited to have the opportunity to just share all that God has done in our lives. Does anybody love that way? What benefit was there to her? She laid down her life because of love. And we get in frivolous arguments with our spouse or others and make mountains out of mohills. Jesus' command was that you love one another. The very foundation of our covenant of marriage says, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, because it's founded on the very foundation of covenant with God. Even as I did the funeral yesterday, I was reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were going through the fiery trial. And King Nebuchadnezzar was telling these three men that if you don't bow, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And their love was set, and they said, whether God delivers us or not, we will not bow. Because they had a love for God that went beyond saving their own skin. It went beyond their own benefit. See, love goes beyond your own benefit. Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, even when they're imperfect, is so shallow, really, if we can't love that way. Is that true or not? We could put some music on, on the sound team, if you guys don't mind. But I pray that the Spirit of God is convicting our hearts on how to love 
by laying down our life. This young lady did an amazing act of love to love her husband even though they were not married yet. No greater love has anyone than this but that he lays his life down for his friends. And I don't know what the Lord's wanting to do in your heart this morning about your own level of love and your own capacity to love. But I know he's wrecking me. And there's things that are going on in my heart about all kinds of things even outside of our country where there are people who desperately need to be loved sacrificially. Yes, there's things internally as far as a church that we've got to get better at loving each other sacrificially. But you know, some of that's to our own benefit. <laughs> Even loving internally is really to our own benefit. But what about the people of this city? What about children in this city who don't come home to a mom and dad, but they come home to an empty home? Who are raising themselves? What about the young girls who are caught up in sex slavery sex trafficking and they're 12 years old and they're taken from their parents and they're sold into sex slavery what about the unreached people groups that have never heard of this one that you dance for and celebrate and worship as you go back to your comfortable home that's heated today to 70 degrees. And cooled to 70 degrees when it's 95. When you get into that car that costs you $350 a month. When there's not clean drinking water and AIDS has ravished Africa see I want to start loving better as a church because we've got to get outside the four walls we're raising up radical passionate aggressive lovers of God who think not about themselves But think about the needs of others before they do themselves. What's he wanting to do with your love? What cause is God wanting you to herald? Who's he wanting you to sacrificially love? To lay down your life for just as he laid down his life for you. It's called radical love that benefits you, maybe none. Many shall come to me in those days and say, Lord, Lord, did we not heal the sick and raise the dead and do powerful things in your name? And he'll say, flee from me, for I never knew you. Why? Because it was all for your benefit. Instead of benefiting someone else.
God's trying to turn this church upside down. He's trying to radically infuse us with his love. So here's your homework this week. After you repent, after you ask God to forgive you, after you say, oh God, give me a revelation of that kind of love. You ask the question, how do you want me to lay my life down? Because you've laid your life down for me. How do you want me to lay my life down? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I want a revelation of your love, Lord. And I say, oh God, in the name of Jesus, jack us up. Convict our hearts. Forgive us for not loving the way you love. Forgive us for being selfish and motivated for ourselves and for our kingdom. Lord, may we crucify the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Lord, penetrate our hearts this week with this message of loving like you love. And may we lay down our life for others. In Jesus' mighty name. If you need to do business with God, the altars will be open. Maybe you'll do business with God when you leave this place, whatever. But I say, if God is dealing with your heart, if he's convicting you like he is me, then I would say, uh, do business with the Spirit of God today. And may we become this people of radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and lovers of people. In Jesus' mighty name. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. God bless you. And may you be infected by the virus of love this week that goes beyond your meal. In Jesus' name. Amen.